right, welcome to Fast Break Breakfast NBA Podcast. My name is Keith, here alone for a solo interview episode. Full episode with John and Chuck will be out later this week. After the miserable second round of the playoffs, the conference finals are finally here and some exciting basketball, maybe, but... While everyone else can talk about LeBron James and the Rockets and Warriors, I'm going to talk about teams that are terrible. That's right, the lottery-bound sad sacks, the poor fan bases that are eagerly watching on Tuesday night to see if the fortunes of their franchises, their moribund franchises, might change with the right combination of ping pong balls and then get that transformational franchise changing talent. That's right. All you mainstream people can talk about the playoffs. I'm excited about the losing teams and the lottery. So I bring on a expert of the lottery process, a Sacramento Kings writer. They are always in the lottery to talk about which teams we want to see jump up on which teams we think definitely do not deserve to win the lottery for whatever reasons. I didn't get to it, but I definitely want all the best teams in the lottery to win, like the Nuggets and the Hornets and like the Clippers, Pistons. If the Grizzlies end up picking fifth because the Nuggets, Clippers, and well, not Clippers, let's say Nuggets, Pistons and Hornets jump them. That is the funniest possible solution. I am all for it. I also think it's amazing Luke Kennard has to go to the lottery, uh, even though there's a 2.5% chance that uh, the Pistons even have a pick. A lot of people go to the lottery uh, because, again, all of the weird possible combinations. And while there are 14 teams who missed the playoffs, there's actually more than that in the lottery because of various trades, like The Lakers pick either goes to the Sixers or the Celtics, and then the Pistons can get their pick, or I can go to the Clippers, so all kinds of fun stuff like that. Anyway, speaking of this lottery, if you are anywhere near Nashville, Tennessee, you need to come to the mainstay on Main Street in Nashville at 6 p.m. for a Memphis Grizzlies Fast Break Breakfast crossover event NBA draft lottery party. We will be watching the draft lottery. We will be giving away lots of Grizzlies prizes. We have some shirts. We have some hats. We have Grizz gaming shirts. We have some Mike Conley and Mark Gasol figurines. We have some old guys who aren't even on the team anymore. We might pull out some of the old Zebo giveaways in honor of the Kings. Uh, Maybe pull out the Tony Allen last played for the Bulls. Uh, When I say played, I meant was on the roster of. But anyway, we'll give away a lot of Grizzlies prizes. There will be two-for-one drinks the entire time. That's beer and on well liquor from 6 to 8. So come out, hang out at the mainstay with me and John and Chuck. We'll watch the basketball. We'll watch LeBron James afterwards. But from 6 to 8, lottery party, lots of giveaways Cheap drink specials will be a blast. We hope to see you all there. So definitely all come out. And finally, before I get to the interview with Greg, if you want to support our program directly, you can do that at patreon.com slash fast break breakfast. 
You can get exclusive bonus content. Yes, uh, turns out we had to fill out a tax form or something, and none of the stuff we'd scheduled had posted since April 15th. Whoopsie. But uh, some more content will be coming out. Exclusive content for those of you who contribute at Patreon. You can also join the $3 a month Slack chat where we've been... That has been going consistently. Uh, that didn't get cut off because of any tax reasons. You can hang out with us there. We talk about anything around the clock. That's just $3 a month. But we thank all of the listeners who have supported us. Always looking for more. Looking to hit that next tier. We're going to start creating some video content if we hit up to 500 bucks a month. So if you like the show, you want to support us, and you want to get access to that exclusive bonus content, patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. Once again, patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. My guest today is an editor for Sacktown Royalty, a leading deer and fox apologist, and a return guest on Fast Break Breakfast, Greg Wissinger. Greg, how's it going? I'm good. Thanks for having me back. Glad to have you back. I figured with the conference finals here, you know, LeBron James on the ropes, we're talking before the highly anticipated Rockets Warriors, it was important to talk Sacramento Kings. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in high demand this time of year. I figured. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I'd find a Kings guest available. Uh, no, also, importantly... Tuesday night is the NBA draft lottery and Sacramento Kings writers are lottery veterans and experts. You guys have a, is this 12 in a row now? This is 12 straight years. <laughs> wow. Well, before I ask for your sage advice on enduring another lottery, I will ask you, Greg, did you happen to have a breakfast today? Um, so I didn't really eat much of a breakfast. I did have a late morning snack of some uh, some soup. I don't know if that counts. Oh, it was about eleven o'clock. <laughs> was the soup's broth milk? No. Okay. <laughs> it was like a chicken tortilla soup type thing. <laughs> I mean, honestly, as as we say, whatever breaks the fast, that's your breakfast. It's okay. Well, no judge. Eleven a.m. breakfast time. It's fine. All right, well, going to, as a veteran of the lottery process, what can you tell uh, people who are maybe new or don't remember what it felt like, like me, who's in it with the Grizzlies this year uh, after being out of it for several years? Um, So you'll find yourself getting really excited, even though (laughs) the odds are minuscule that that excitement will be paid off. Uh, And the odds are always more likely that you'll move down than up. Right. I think that's the, uh, I, I, I wrap my brain around it. I know the most likely scenario for the Grizzlies, like the highest probability spot is four, like you're moving, you're moving down. So I'm trying to focus yeah. on that. <laughs> so like, even if you move from two to three, I'm supposed to feel good. Like two to three is a loss, but it's actually kind of a win. I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's the, uh, yeah, the, what is the, I, I was saying the Kings have been extraordinarily unlucky, I believe is their history. Although they did, uh, they, they lucked out last year when it looked like things were not going to be bleak, but you guys ended up actually getting a, uh, actually moving up. Yeah. So the Kings have moved up twice in the, in the modern lottery era. Uh, once was in 1989, they moved up from six to first and got, a. Never nervous Purvis Ellison. Oh, nice. And yeah. And then 
last year they moved from, I believe they were eighth pre-lottery to three, but then because of the uh, wonderful pick swap they owed Philly, the Kings ended up picking fifth. Right. You guys were part, it was good for the Kings, but you were part of the insane celebration at that Xfinity Live Center in Philadelphia when when the Kings, you know, when, when, you, when you're, whatever it was, the picture of the Kings logo didn't come up. Those people lost their minds because yeah. they knew that was then the, the the pick swap was on. Uh, everyone was moving around, all, all kinds of, of excitement. So so going back to going back to the Kings, let's look at the Kings season before jumping back into the lottery. It, it was an interesting year. It was a year where going into it, like the Kings were kind of bereft of talent, despite the fact they brought in uh, a couple of veterans. And then as the year went on, it was like wow. Uh, we're, we're developing, we're focusing on, on the future. So what, what, what was your overarching kind of takeaway from the Kings regular season? Well, they, the Kings had a, a pretty clear plan that they outlined going all the way back to last preseason, which was they brought in veterans to really be mentors and so that they wouldn't put too much pressure to, to play kind of sink or swim among the rookies from the get-go. That was the plan. Now, whether or not that's a good plan, it was their plan and they, they followed it pretty well. Um, so, you know, they relied on an over the hill, Zach Randolph, who uh, advanced numbers say might be the worst defensive player in the league at this point. Um, he could still put up some okay offensive numbers, but at a pretty high usage and pretty low efficiency. Uh, we had George Hill, who was a disaster. Uh, we had uh, Garrett Temple, who just is a good role player guy, not really a guy you want, leading your team in minutes in production. Um, let's see, I'm trying to even think of who else. Costa Kufus is a veteran on the team. Vince Carter was like the super vet. He was the the great guy to have on the team. He, he played it sparingly, but was fun to watch when he did play. So Vince Carter was like the perfect vet. And then we had a bunch of other guys who were kind of varying degrees of success. What was your, what was your favorite memory of the George Hill Sacramento Kings era. Probably when he got traded. That was a good thing. <laughs> are you pulling, when you see him on the Cavs uh, in the conference finals, are, are you pulling for him or are you cheering for his uh, failure? Oh, I'm actually rooting against George Hill. Yeah. Uh, he had an uh, <laughs> interview in The Athletic over the weekend where he dragged the Kings again. So the Kings gave him this big multi year contract and, uh, he took the cash grab and then was mad at when they asked him to play the role that they told him he was going to have to play. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, he said he, he had got some traded. Yeah. I'm sorry. I said he had some comment earlier where he's like, we are not making the playoff push that I thought we would be in. And I would like to be traded. Yeah. And it was like, no one thought you guys were in a playoff push. Everyone knew you were yeah. signing the biggest contract <laughs> that got offered to you. Yeah, so he got bad advice from his agents, left Utah, the money dried up, he went with the Kings because they'd give him a multi-year deal, and then he pouted his way out. He got traded to Cleveland, which is ideal for him, and he's still dragging the King's name through the mud, like, <laughs> as of this weekend in an interview. So I am rooting against George Hill at this point. <laughs> that, that's, that's pretty fair. Um, with him, you know, it, it not being everything George Hill anticipated, and it being what pretty much everyone else anticipated, the Kings were trying to develop a lot of young guys. The roster had so many young mm -hmm. guys, even to the point I remember making fun of them last offseason. Like, you can't develop 
this many players. Like you can't develop nine players or, or eleven, whatever it was, of guys who were you know still projects or, or first, second, third year players. Uh, they ended up getting rid of a few. Right. They kind of settled on a few. So how do you think they did? And, and with the Jaeger rotation of we're going to sit guys every few games, you know, to the chagrin of fantasy basketball owners. How do you think they did focusing on the guys to develop? It's tough to say because the question amongst Kings fans is would the young guys have been better had they just been thrown to the wolves from the get go? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that there is benefit to learning from the veterans, but you know, is that, do you lose some of that benefit when the consistent rotations aren't there, when guys aren't getting, you know, the consistent repetition, the consistent role and all of that. So, I mean, the Kings definitely saw improvement from some of their young guys as the year went along. They had some really fun moments as the year went along and down the stretch, the young guys did get the majority of the minutes. So, you know, it's, but it's probably too early to say just because we'll need to see how they do this coming season and beyond as far as whether or not their rookie development actually meant anything. So did you not feel cheated out of Zach Randolph games? Cause I felt cheated out of Zach Randolph games. The, uh, the, the nights he wasn't playing. Yeah, not so much. Um, <laughs> pretty much. Like I said, not only do the advanced stats say that he might be the worst defensive player in the league at this point, they also say that pretty much every King was better with him off the floor. <laughs> that so makes sense. In a sense that, in a sense, they probably should have left him playing more from a tanking perspective, but <laughs> do you believe the theory? Have you heard this theory? It was actually I first heard it from the Grizzlies' own Grind City Media, like their media arm. Mike Wallace for them reported that there was some talk that the Kings gave Zach Randolph $12 million a year and gave Vince Carter $8 million a year just specifically to screw with the Grizzlies. Have you heard that at all? I have not. Uh, I'm not sure how that screws with the Grizzlies. Well, that's also one argument. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, telling you, I thought it was funny because it was reported by the actual Grizzlies. You know, it was reported by Grind City Media, but that Dave Yeager was trying to get back at the Grizzlies by offering them too much money for their veterans. I mean, I think, I think this Grizzlies team could have used maybe a locker room guidance of those guys. But yeah, on the court, uh, not as much. which one of the young which one of the young kings right now do you have maybe the best feeling about or do you think is is definitely going to be or could be a starter on a playoff level team? So I still believe in De'Aaron Fox, even though there wasn't a whole lot of on court to necessarily support that belief. I mean, the advanced stats for his rookie year were weren't great and a lot of it was inconsistency. You know, he's got to get stronger, has to get better and more consistent with his shot and some better decision making. Uh, but the flashes that you saw, you know, it's one of those things where when you're watching a guy and you know, I hate falling back on the eye test, but it's one of those things with a young guy where you're like, Man, if if it clicks and he gets consistent, he's gonna be really good. Now, if it doesn't click, he he might not ever be that level. But if it clicks, he could be really good. But the guy I'm most confident in at this point is Buddy Heald. Uh, he has proven himself to be a versatile, efficient scorer, and he's rounding out the other areas of his game. We saw a big step forward in you know, defense, ball handling, ball movement, all the little things that you like to see where, you know, I'm not saying he's an all-star or anything at this point, but with his scoring ability and his ability to not be a complete minus in those other areas, uh, he could definitely be a starter on a on a good team. 
He was a surprise for me. Actually, I watched a lot of Kings games, and he was a definite, a definite surprise in his improvement. Uh, we, we talk on our regular show. I guess we will mention like Buddy Heald, who actually was pretty good. Like, like we're we're still, we're still kind of yeah. s- s- surprised how, how it worked out. Um, do you th- you think that will maintain, and it isn't just like a, a looter in the riot scenario where obviously his game looked more well rounded? I think what was the surprise where it wasn't just all Troy Daniels esque just gunning. Obviously, that's the strength of his game was incredible shooting, but like he did seem like he belonged out there. But you don't have any question that you know, like if the team wins more, that he'll still be able to contribute at a similar level. I don't worry about it just because so much of his game is, you know, catch and shoots. I mean, he's a guy who's at his best with a catch and shoot three corner three. I mean, he shot above 60%, I think on corner threes this year. I mean, and a lot of those are catch and shoot. So he's not a guy who has to create off the dribble. He's not a guy who's, you know, getting a really high usage rate to get his production. So I think it definitely can fit on a better team because he can be that guy who, spreads the floor, hits down, you know, knocks down opportune shots, you know, and, and does a lot of little other things as well. Have we learned anything about the big guys in Scalabissier and Willie Colley-Stein? Um, Scal was a big letdown for Kings fans this, this year. Uh, there was a lot of hope that he would really be a, a good core piece going forward, and he certainly could be, but there's a lot less enthusiasm about it. He still looked really raw, was still making a lot of mistakes, um, and Kings fans, I'd say overall, it's probably fair to say they've soured on him. I'd still like to see him do good things because he's one of those guys, again, that he has some really nice skills, but the consistency makes De'Aaron Fox look like a, a, a pro's pro <laughs> game in, game out. Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein is another guy who's kind of frustrating to Kings fans because he's uh, always talks about how he's working to be you know, an elite player in this league. And we're like, it'd be great if he could just grab a couple more rebounds. Uh, But for what he is, I mean, Willie's a decent big man. He's not going to be the star of your team, but he's decent. Um, I I don't know what's going to happen as far as when extension time rolls around. I don't know if he's shown enough to get an extension at this point, but uh, he's, he's solid. He could make a leap forward. He's still just finished his third year, but he's also came into the league as an older rookie. So I think he kind of is what he is at this point. It seemed to be one of the highlights of the season for the Kings team. If you'd enjoyed winning was a bunch of kind of clutch victories powered by Jaron Fox and also uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich um, where you guys kind of came through in the clutch. They, they had some incredible shooting numbers, both those guys uh, like with either game tying or taking the lead buckets in, in the last few seconds. However, that obviously really hurts the Kings lottery status, the number of uh, number combinations for them to move up in the lottery as a veteran of the lottery process where you've been to this losing for so many years. How'd you feel about them coming through in the clutch? Were you disappointed or has the losing happened so much? You were like, this is great. No, I'm glad we're actually learning to win some games. No, I mean, there's a little bit of both. I mean, I think learning to win is important, but a lot of that also just kind of comes with having more talent. Yeah. Uh, it seems to be the way it normally goes. So in the moment, like when things happen, I was never like, you know, watching Darren Fox slam home a put back game winning dunk in Miami. I wasn't worried about the lotto in that moment. It, it was tons of fun. It was great winning a close game. 
And so I always enjoyed watching the games and was always rooting for a win. Um, it was normally like a couple hours later, we're like, man, that was fun. But yeah, we probably just you know dropped a spot in the lottery, <laughs> <laughs> especially down the stretch when other teams were very clearly blatantly tanking, uh, especially the Grizzlies. <laughs> right, right. And uh, the Kings, the Kings weren't doing a very good job of that. Uh, there was some uh, upset Kings fans where it's like we're losing games not because our guys are getting better, but because we just played a G league team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm glad to hear that maybe the humanity comes back of being a fan of a team that's tanking because again, this year, like I, I hate tanking, but I was like yelling at the TV, like miss, miss, miss. Like I was, I wanted the Grizzlies to lose all their games, like in the moment, mm-hmm. every close game, like uh, the Suns had a game winning dunk. That was incredible. And I was so fired up. I was like, yes, they beat the Grizzlies, and we lost to the Suns. It's like a double loss. It's incredible. I was fired up. But <laughs> all right, so what I want to do with the re- the rest of our of our time is talk about the lottery and which teams you think deserve to win the lottery. And the reason I think about this, well, I think about this a lot, but but one of the reasons I did want to talk Kings was watching them go down the stretch of the season. And they ended up playing the other tanking teams. Like I, I call them, you know, the bottom nine or the back nine, the mm-hmm. nine teams that were mm-hmm. clearly trying to lose all their games. The Kings like destroyed them all. Unfortunately, uh, <laughs> going down the yeah. stretch, they had a lot of those games at home and like the Kings were playing their young guys exclusively, but the Kings young, young guys were again, way better than these G league teams that the other guys were rolling out. So like I was sitting there thinking like, I feel like there's some kind of karma this this Kings team, like they deserve a win because because they, they were beating these teams by actually developing their young players the way they're supposed to be doing. The Grizzlies are saying things like, yeah, yeah, we want to develop our young guys. And me, Grizzlies fan, is like, uh, I, I hope none of those young guys are on the team uh, next year. Level, right. you know, <laughs> like, uh, so, uh, Greg, looking at the lottery teams and looking mainly at the teams that have a, a realistic chance, you know, maybe the bottom, the seven, bottom seven or nine of those teams – I want you to go through and tell me which teams you think one deserve to win the lottery and then which ones you think uh, for whatever, again, whatever criteria you have in your own head uh, don't deserve to win the lottery. Sure. Uh, so I, I'm biased and I think that the Kings deserve the the top pick and, and should win the lottery, not just because, it's been 12 years in the lottery and we could really use a break, but also, like you said, because they, they were actually trying to win games and, um, and hurt themselves in the standings along the way. So I think they should be rewarded for that. Um, after that, you know, that who was actually trying to win kind of goes out the window of the <laughs> bottom seven because no one else was. So at that point, a lot of times what I tend to lean towards is, you know, the other lovable losers, like Phoenix has the second longest playoff drought. They played their young core a lot. Um, I don't really like them mostly because of friendly rivalries, but, you know, I, I don't think it would be bad if they, you know, got a good pick. Um, you know, it, Atlanta is in such a weird state of their rebuild. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. There's a couple of players I'd like on Atlanta that I'd like to see. Uh, as much as I hate to say it, I don't feel bad for the Grizzlies just because you guys just got done with such a long run of success that like first year bad teams that with a top pick, you know, could then immediately bounce back to being a playoff team. I, I don't tend to root for those as much. 
That kind of makes sense. Again, as someone uh, who's been in the lottery 12 straight years, I kind of understand uh, that feeling. Yeah. I, so, so, again, as I said, I agree with you completely on the Kings. Uh, you guys finished 9-12 and 12 of your last 21, which is, again, devastating yeah. in, a, in a tank race. Yeah. Way too many wins. Uh, and so, like, in your corner, like, on the pros, I, I think, like, you guys have been out of the playoffs for so long. But then I also – I my own criteria is something like – Teams that have been bad for so long, I, I consider that like a negative. Like that, that there's like a balancing act in my head. Like, like the Suns, like the Suns, I think have been just a horribly run franchise. Why in the world should they get a top pick? So like, I, I can't even wrap my brain around them. And I think the Suns made no effort to win a basketball game in the last two years. Like, I think that that also again offends whatever made up sensibility I have. <laughs> I, I, so it's so like for, for me, the Suns are like really low on like I can't think of any reason they should get a top pick outside of fan suffering and fan suffering, I think, is a legit, you know, calculus yeah. uh, rubric, if, if you will, for dunked on listeners um, like that's a legit thing. Uh, but like Suns, I'm like, they're, they're so poorly run. And then on the flip side, again, with my bias of a Grizzlies fan. I look at teams that have had success and ended up having to do this because of like an injury or something. And I think I have a little more sympathy. Like, so I think like the Grizzlies do have a good argument, but like the Hawks are actually another, I think behind the Kings, I think the Hawks are the next team that I think are most deserving of winning the lottery because they tried to win for so long. They succeeded at making the playoffs Mm -hmm. for so many years. They didn't get anything for the expiring contracts of Paul Millsap or Al Horford or Damari Carroll. Like, and people argue like that's, that's poor management and it might be, but part of me is like, they just kept trying to win and they're like, we're not going to dump these guys because we value winning. And so now that, they're in a terrible situation pretty much because of choosing to do that. Uh, I'm like, those guys, like they should be helped out. Like, yes, they benched Dennis Schroeder down the stretch in a few games this year, but like that team in, in my mind, like, like they're up there uh, as someone like I would, I would like to see. Uh, so who's someone that you think definitely should not, you think karma has spoken. They should not be allowed to have the top pick. I mean, it's gotta be Cleveland, right? <laughs> I, I think it'd be funny. So I, I also have to balance the humor, like Cleveland jumping up. That's it, hilarious to me. It, it would be, but God, it would just suck so much. I mean, <laughs> yeah. if they want it again off of Brooklyn's pick, you know, I, I, I wouldn't like that. Uh, same with the Sixers, you know, if they moved up again via LA, like, I don't want to see well, that's that. A, that's only 1%. Surely, surely the NBA won't, won't let that happen. But I mean, they've got like a four percent chance at top three. You know, like it's well, the Celt- well, so the Celt- yeah, the Celtic, the Celtics get two or three, and then the Sixers get the one pick. So it's I guess there's there's oh, a okay. there's a three percent right. chance the Celtics jump up to two or three, and then a one percent chance the Celtics uh, the Sixers can get it. And again, I would hate all those things. However, right, I would also find it hilarious, and uh, like again, divorcing myself from my fandom. That's what happens, like, you guys trying to lose. Ha, ha, ha. It goes to the winning teams anyway. And part of me would, I think, be and, kind of secretly happy about that. And the only reason I'd be happy about it is because it would make Lakers fans so upset. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you always have to balance. I find joy in that. Yeah, I have to, I have to balance. <laughs> also, that's, that's where uh, the trade-off of the Cavs getting a top three pick, which, there's, again, there's like a, a 10% chance of that happening. The trade-off is that the Celtics gave them that pick, and that makes me happy. Like, that, you know... I assume it makes Celtics yeah. fans unhappy. Are there any of the actual like bottom seven terrible teams that you think 
Definitely. Uh, I mean, you said you don't think like Memphis should because they were good, uh, and so they haven't experienced enough pain in your mind to deserve something nice. Are there any of the other teams? There's none others that I have like really strong feelings about, but I would prefer not to see Chicago move up. That's fair. I feel like like they're they they also won some games down the stretch that I feel like uh, it's a weird balance where. You know, they, they clearly didn't want Miritich playing for them, and then they, they shipped him away, and they did that funny business with Bench and Robin Lopez and, and Justin Holiday. But then they ended up playing mm-hmm. their guys at the, end of the, at the end of the season and ended up winning enough games where I, I feel conflicted. But then also, like, yeah. the, the con for them winning the lottery is they had Jimmy Butler and Nick Miritich under reasonable contracts and then just got rid of them for some who-knows-what reason. They decided to tank when they didn't maybe need to tank. So I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't want that to work out for them. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about like poorly run teams, I, I think the Bulls have to be up there, and they've <laughs> had tons of success over the years in spite of that. And so, you know, as a as a fan of a poorly run team, I want to see them suffer for being poorly run. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's always that's always <laughs> the the difficulty is I want the front office to suffer, but I also feel bad for the fans. And then there's somewhere I'm yeah, like, I want it's the fans. Yeah, if if we can find, I guess enough of these terrible teams are lovable loser enough where I don't like hate the fans and the front office. Like Dallas, yeah. we haven't mentioned Dallas. Like Dallas was really high on my list because again, they 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 never tanked after so many years. Like the last few years, they're like, you guys should probably just blow it up. And they're like, no, 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 no. we're gonna try to get top free agents, and even when we fail, we're gonna sign Wes Matthews and we're gonna sign Harrison Barnes. And like, part of me appreciated them just trying to keep put something around Dirk. But then on on the cons yeah. list, like they clearly have some under the table deals with Dirk to circumvent the salary cap, and also perhaps they have a you know toxic culture that's uh, rife with sexual harassment that goes unpunished. So that's the front office. That's you know kind of the kind of the negative. Yeah. Mind. I don't think we should reward that. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, to, uh, wrapping up, I'll say my top three, uh, I think the Hawks, the Kings, and yes, the Grizzlies uh, for having, again, for maintaining good team, you know, like a good playoff run and then having this befall them. I think, I think they're deserving. And then uh, I don't want the magic, the Suns, or the bulls to touch it. Cause I think those organizations, organizations are, are, are run terribly and uh, they, they uh, should not, be gifted with the with the gift of number one. Uh, any any in conclusion thoughts you want to throw in, or any other uh, karmic reasons you can think of about the lottery? No, just a, a you know parting reminder that hope is stupid, and you should uh, prepare <laughs> for the worst. <laughs> Spoken like a Kings fan. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, Greg, uh, thanks so much for taking time to join me. Uh, tell people where they can find your stuff online. Yeah, I'm at SacktownRoyalty.com, part of uh, SB Nation, uh, the Sacramento Kings blog there. And then I'm on Twitter at GWIS, G-W-I-S-S. That's perfect. Uh, Best of luck to you at the lottery and uh, look forward to talking with you uh, again soon. Thanks, man. Anytime. All right. Thanks to Greg for coming on. Remember, if you're in the Nashville area, mainstays Tuesday night, May 15th, 6 to 8 p.m. Grizzlies NBA draft lottery party. Any NBA fans are welcome. We're just going to be giving away Grizzlies uh, prizes. And uh, so come get some Grizzlies swag and come enjoy some awesome drink specials and hang out with John and Chuck and myself. All right. You can support us at patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast.com. 
get access to exclusive bonus content there. You can follow me on Twitter at Fast Break Break. Like us on Facebook. All right, you guys are the best. Thanks for listening. And remember, breakfast is the most important thing. Yeah, never apologize for being G&G. Fast Break Break, man. You understand?